0: Okay, my message today is called Jesus' Amazing Antidote to Anxiety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anxiety and depression gone off the, the rectus scale. Uh, since COVID, 25% increase in anxiety and depression in the last three years around the world. Of course, some people have got a natural disposition towards anxiety. So we're going to condemn people for being anxious. Uh, but uh, when we listen to Jesus' wisdom... He gives you a powerful antidote to anxiety. Uh, my message today could almost feel like something you find in a self-help magazine. It's like four reasons to not worry, four ways to not worry. The only difference is Jesus wrote this article. So, so I'm going to unpack that for you. Four reasons not to worry, four ways to to stop worrying, and I get all of these points literally from the words of jesus matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to 32 i'm just going to read it piece at a time and and then make commentary so matthew 6 25 jesus in the sermon of the mount we're going through the sermon of the Mount as the church he says uh therefore i tell you do not worry about your life that sounds like a straightforward command like hey you're worrying don't worry okay it sounds like a straightforward command stop worrying I know, like I said, some of us have got a disposition to worry, like naturally anxious human beings. But, uh, but there, there might be an ethical dimension here. Like, in other words, if you choose to keep on worrying, uh, maybe disobeying Jesus. He says, no more worrying. Stop worrying. Okay, now the cool thing is he's going to tell us how to fulfill that command. Uh, verse 25 carries on. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. So it's the two ideas Jesus is getting at here. Uh, Number one, we tend to worry about our future needs. We ask, you know, will we, and if you've got kids and dependents, will we be provided for in the days and weeks and months to come? The mind is really good at imagining worst case scenarios. The other thing is that we tend to be preoccupied with not so important things like food and drink and clothing. So food and drink speaks about our longings for pleasure and satisfaction, maybe the finer things in life. Clothing speaks about our longing, maybe for attractiveness, a good image, staying in touch with the latest trends and fashion. Uh, We tend to inflate the importance of these things. Uh, Verse 32, we're going to see Jesus says that the world literally runs after these things. I was in some of the biggest shopping centers in the world in Singapore. You see like a thousand adverts, these beautiful adverts. You never see a woman over the age of like 22 just the glorified you know, youthful kind of beauty I will just preoccupied with, with these things last week Colin spoke and he said the way to beat paranoia is metanoia and the word metanoia is the Greek word for change of mind or repentance Jesus is going to in this uh, portion of scripture help us to defeat our anxiety we sometimes think I've got a spirit of anxiety in me I need Jesus to cast it out of me Jesus is not gonna cast it out of you. He's gonna reason it out of you. What's the name of the band? R-I-5. R-I-5. RK Fire. RK Fire. And the the song, uh, there's a song where the recurring refrain is, I've got to get the spirit out of me, this anxiety. That's inside of me. That's inside of me. <laughs> it's like get the like the world is literally begging for all exorcism from this anxiety that has possessed us. Jesus is not gonna cast it out, he's gonna argue it out of you. Okay, so the first part of my message, four reasons to stop worrying. Let's go to verse 25. Jesus says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? So the first reason not to worry is this. God made us, uh, so he'll surely sustain us. Not rocket science, eh? God made us, which is an enormous task, so surely he can sustain us. A small task it's an argument from the greater to the lesser if god gave us a life and a body which was quite a remarkable achievement and i again just want to salute women who are have had children or are in the process of knitting children together what and the most amazing thing you've done i'm often I'm looking at michelle right here you know, often you feel a bit immobilized you're like i'm not doing anything with my life I'm just sitting around. You have never been more productive in your life. You're making a human being. <laughs> but Jesus' point, if God made us a great task, surely He can look after us. So That's the first reason. Stop worrying. And then He carries on. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is literally telling us to be a bird watcher. It's one of the commandments of Jesus. Like you know, you follow Jesus, you do do what he says. So let me ask you, when last did you watch the birds? Jesus said you must do that. It's like one of his commands. Become a bird watcher. And he says they don't fear tomorrow's lack. Yet God makes sure that they get food to eat. They live joyfully every day. Tweet, 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 tweet. Because God looks after them. And it's a beautiful thought. We had We had a couple budgies die this last year, and um, it's been quite traumatic. And honestly, I wondered, like, did God feel as sad as we did? And this verse meant something to me because it suggests that he did. Even the feeding of a songbird falls within God's concern, says the theologian D.A. Carson. And yet Jesus says we're much more valuable to him than the birds. And then he carries on. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. So he's saying, not only be a bird watcher while you're at it and you walk around Kirstenbosch Gardens, become a flower watcher like a a botanist. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? The plants are clothed by God with the most beautiful flowers. The preacher Charles Spurgeon, over a hundred years ago, used to say, "Lovely lilies, how you rebuke our foolish nervousness!" Sure. So, by the way, Jesus is not saying be lazy. I mean, you watch the birds; they're doing some work. <laughs> they don't just sit there opening their mouths unless they're little like baby birds. They and it's also not saying expect good weather. You know, Kirstenbosch Garden with all those gorgeous flowers still gets. You know, beaten by these cold fronts. He's also not saying don't plan. Plan by all means. His point is that you've got this trusting, non-anxious posture. Because you realize you are not alone in the pursuit of your future well-being and survival. So that's the second reason to stop worrying. It's this. If God cares for the birds and the flowers, how much more will He care for His children? If God cares for the birds and the flowers, how much more will He care for His children? His reasoning anxiety out of us it's like cognitive therapy therapy you know what cognitive therapy is you've got emotional problems it's because your thought life screwed up so let's tweak that thought life and you'll see like your your emotional life will come right verse 27 jesus carries on can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life jesus his onslaught on our worry is intense he is Reasoning with us. And here's the third reason to stop worrying. It's pointless being preoccupied with what is beyond your control. It's pointless being preoccupied with what is beyond your control. You know, we, can choose, we are in control of a lot of things. But we're not in control of all things. You're not in control of the financial markets. <laughs> we realize that. Eh? We just watch these numbers on the screen. We are powerless to, to stop them. They just keep on doing things. We're also not uh, in control of other people's actions, the attitudes of people, even societal trends. If you lend your major emotional and mental energy to trying to control what is beyond control, you're just wasting what energy you've got that you should be spending on the things you do have control over. Like your frame of mind, that's a good thing to focus your energy on. Um, I, I've got a friend who pastored a church and uh, he was friends with a, a, a non-Christian a man who was a control freak and was absolutely committed to safety. This was decades ago. And he did research on the safest place in the world. He was just nervous of crime in the world. Bad things. He found the safest place in the world. It was Falklands Islands. So he left, his, he left his wife and children here and he went ahead. Two months he was going to be there, set up house, and then gonna to come to the safest place on the earth. He was in Falklands Island for one week before a a war broke out and he got killed by a stray bullet. That's a traumatic story, but I always remember it because it's like this obsession to living the life where you're in completely safe is an illusion. So let me recap. First reason, to stop worrying. God made us so surely He can sustain us. Second reason, if God cares for the birds and the flowers, how much more will He care for you, His child? Third reason, don't be preoccupied with what's beyond your control. That's just like crazy such a misuse of your energy there's a fourth reason it's this anxiety about the future shows you don't trust god to look after you anxiety about the future shows you don't trust god to look after you jesus says in verse 30 will he not much more clothe you you little faith will He not much clothe you you little faith so there's a little promise there hey he's going to clothe you He will much more clothe you. And by the way, throughout the scriptures, God speaks about caring for his people. Psalm 37 says, Do not fret. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I was young and now I am old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They're always generous and lend freely. And their children will be blessed. That's a cool promise to hold on to. But notice Jesus has got a nickname. He literally comes up with a word that you don't find in any of the ancient greek literature he chides his his disciples and he calls them little faiths like faithlings you faithling you little faith he's not saying you have no faith he's saying your faith is just so small you need to bulk it up or maybe your faith is so small you need to start applying your faith michael eaton commenting commenting on this passage says faith has to be applied it's largely a matter of thinking hard and working out the logical implications of what it means to be saved he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us how much more will he not along with him freely give us all good things if we enlarge our faith by a little bit of spiritual thinking we shall be set free from much if not all of our anxiety apply your faith so you say you believe in god well, are you applying it to the situation at hand? It's just almost easier to believe in something big like, God has saved me for all eternity. That's fantastic. Now, can He, can he, can he, can he help you cope with this financial stress? It's, like it's easier to believe in the big thing sometimes, but just use some spiritual thinking. If you really trust that He's taking care of you for all eternity, do you think He might want to care for you in this situation and the next? So that's the first part of Jesus' amazing article, his antidote to anxiety. Uh, Four reasons to stop worrying. Now he's getting extra practical. He's going to tell us four ways to stop worrying. Four ways to overcome anxiety. Here we go, verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So here's, here's the first way to stop worrying. Trust in your heavenly father. Trust in your heavenly father. So Jesus is contrasting people who know the heavenly father. And he's got a term, pagans. Which is his term, his catchphrase for for people that don't know anything about the God of the Bible. They literally just, they, they didn't know. They didn't know that God loves them. They didn't know God is real. They do not know that God is personal. And what do pagans do, verse 32? They run after all these things. They're preoccupied with the preservation and prosperity of their physical lives. So it's not wrong to show some interest in food and drink and clothing. Or to be interested in pleasure and satisfaction and life's finer things and personal attractiveness and fashion. It's not wrong to be interested in these things. The question is like, how central to your life are these things? If you're a pagan... You tend to put these things right in the middle. These are the most important things. In the verses before this passage, Jesus is challenging his disciples. What is your treasure? Do you treasure eternal things or temporal things? What is your vision? Do you focus on temporal things or eternal things? What is your master, God or money? You see, if you live in this world and you don't know that there is a God who loves you, you can see how easy it is to slip into a dog-eat-dog life. And you ask yourself the question, hey, if I'm not looking out for me, nobody else is. So what do you spend your life doing? Looking out for you. But Jesus says, stop. Reality check. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. Verse 32. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. See, when you get saved, your preoccupation is not the things of this material world, but rather the things of God. And now your passion is not for your own glory, but for God's glory. And now you're finding security in God, not in things. See, when we focus on our Father rather than our needs, we, we move from anxiety to trust. Remember, we're not alone in the world. Our Father knows. Our Father cares. Our Father will guide us, provide for us. And here's the interesting thing. The more you try to take control as though you're God, the more anxious you get. It's like the the flashing light on the emotional dashboard that says something is wrong. You're driving this car the wrong way. You're grinding its gearbox. Anxiety is often the flashing light that says you are trying to be God. You're trying to be in control. Interestingly, the opposite. The more you trust and let God be in control, and believe that the God in control is also the God who cares. Well, the more peace you have, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those um, whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We learn how to keep on trusting God. You, you push back the, the anxious thoughts, the thoughts to take control. You remind yourself, God is control. God cares for me. So that's the first way to stop uh, worrying. This is the second way, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The second way to stop worrying is to have a singular passion for God. Have a singular passion for God. So let me ask you a question. What do you seek? What is your singular passion? Well, again, remember what Jesus says about people who are far from God? They run after these things. The heart is going to love something. And if we don't know that there is an awesome God back behind creation who loves us, well, we'll fixate on creation. And we'll run after food and drink, pleasure, satisfaction, life's finest things, clothing, personal attractiveness, concern about our image, trends and fashions. But not you, says Jesus, if you're my child, if you're my brother and sister, if you're my follower. No, you focus on what will have eternal impact. See, money, says Jesus, is so powerful, it can take the place of God in your life. But these things, says Jesus, are so much less important than what should be the main preoccupation of your life God's kingdom and His righteousness. Three weeks ago, I preached on the the Lord's Prayer, or four weeks ago, I can't remember, recently. And and Jesus teaches us when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you start off by stirring up a, a passion for the fame of His name and the coming of His kingdom. That's important to you. The fame of His name, the coming of His kingdom. These things are eternally important. These things are eternally important. Michael Eaton says the kingdom of God is the royal power of God at work in and through our lives. And to seek it means that we desire God's presence. We desire to please God. It involves taking the time and effort to advance His kingdom. We don't only seek first his kingdom. We seek first his righteousness. In other words, we, we realize that there is a better way to live. There's a better way to treat people. And we, we, and we are passionate about the better way to live and the better way to treat people. We seek first what's right. We want to give expression to the goodness of God. God's children are meant to advertise the goodness of God. And we seek first we, we want to be this um this beacon of light and the beacon of what's right into a world that is in the dark and, and by the way single it's not just individuals but faith communities that need to apply this stuff so we, we ask ourselves as a community how much can we focus on beyond ourselves the parental temptation of every church is to focus on those who are in the church but jesus calls us to a life of mission because his kingdom isn't only within. His kingdom is recruiting us to take it beyond ourselves. So, uh, by the way, if you don't know, very exciting news. Jody uh, Potts downstairs is looking after the pre-teens. He's been working for the church part-time. We, the, and the teens, pre-teens and the teens. Um, we have now hired him for, uh, we're still finalizing the contract for how many days, but roughly speaking, over and above what he's doing for us um, for probably about three days a week. In partnership with scripture union who's got a brilliant relationship with schools and also is good at training their field staff to work into schools we're basically funding him in partnership with scripture union to uh, to take the gospel of jesus into schools in the area so st mary's catholic school is saying please bring him on in we need his help with grade seven boys and girls Dryden Street Primary. We've, the has done prefect training in the past. And they're saying, please send your people. We've got so many more opportunities for, for them. Seapoint High, there's an opening. Zunabloom High, there's an opening. So we want to send them in to run school assemblies, school Christian groups, prefect training. And then with Scripture Union... Uh, you know, there's these camps and you build these relations. We get these kids going on the camps. So exciting to be a church, taking some of the money you give, the money we give, and, and, and putting it into the kingdom. Seeking first God's kingdom as a, as, a, as a church. Jesus carries on, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So there's a third way to stop worrying, and it's to take hold of his promise to provide take hold of his promise to provide i mean that's a promise all these things will be given to you as well it's got a condition you seek first god's kingdom and he has the promise all these things will be given to you as well you you don't run after these things you run after the king and his kingdom and you look behind you these things are running after you you don't run after these things you run after the king and his kingdom. You look behind you. These things are running after you. All these things will be added to you. Yeah. In my early 20s, I was particularly anxious about meeting somebody. And I, I, it could easily become a bit of a fixation in my mind, especially when you're in your early 20s. like, meet partner. And I, I, I made a few um, bad cul-de-sacs already on that front, you know brought a bit of agony to my life and poor girls that are afflicted with my boyfriendship and uh (laughs) um, and 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 i remember god speaking to me terren you focus on my bride and i will take care of yours (laughs) and i just thought stuff it! i'm not going to be looking at the girls in the room and keep my eyes on jesus and let's do this thing let's build the church let's advance the kingdom hey guy uh, the prophet Haggai says to the people, they, 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 they're, in this, they're, they're trying to rebuild Israel and they take all their time and energy. They want to build their houses while the temple is unbuilt. And the prophet rebukes them and God says, no, no, build my temple and then I'll help you build your houses. Yeah. Be concerned about God's great kingdom and God will take care of your little kingdom. See, when we seek God first, we can relax into the promise of provision. We don't know what the future holds. We live for the one who holds the future. As we get behind the things closest to God's heart, he promises to meet our needs. Uh, usually in his own time. Uh, in my opinion, a little bit too late. the like 11th hour. I mean, what is it with God? Like, you know, if you're a Christian, well, from now on, God will provide for you in the 11th hour. Sorry, that's how it's going to be. Because he's just going to take every opportunity to grow your trust. You know, Non-Christians, probably he'll provide for you in the seventh hour. But 11th, if you're, now you're a believer, we're going to do eleventh hour. And, and, and then he'll provide for us in ways that we, we didn't see coming. One of the most helpful lines in the Bible for me is um, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of a verse that I've just read. He paraphrases it like this in the message. Don't be so preoccupied with getting that you make no space for the Father's giving. Don't be so preoccupied with getting that you make no space for the father's giving. You see, you're aware of your needs, but if you're preoccupied with having those needs met, God you actually you've tied God out of the equation. He's just going to watch you like stress yourself out.: OK, um, Julie's reminding me. So I had a salary. For uh, 20 years, I worked for Common Ground. It, it's pretty cool having a salary. You know, you trust God, but you really need to trust God when you know for the next, where your money's coming from the next three months. And uh, when Julie and I left Common Ground, um, we didn't have the next thing. And we felt God say to us, don't worry, walk on water. The thing is that I walked away with a little bit of a package that was a pile of money that I watched it like getting less and less. And from the moment I walked away, I watched this pile and I told everybody, hey, I'm walking on water. And meanwhile, I actually had this pile of money, and Julie and I were busy. It was getting less and less really fast, as it does nowadays. And Julie and I were busy praying, and I was like telling everyone, guys, I'm walking on water. And Julie was praying, and she said, Terran, I just felt God say, you haven't even started walking on water. You're still on land. You've got a pile of money. (laughs) Then came the month when the pile ran out. Now I was walking on water got five kids. I live in the suburbs. How irresponsible can a man be? (laughs) Julie had an income, bless her soul, but still not enough for the both of us. Within the first week of walking on water, without any manipulation on our part, we had a massive debt cancelled by someone out the blue. And um, we had actually pulled our kids from school because we realized we couldn't pay their school fees. We were going to homeschool them. We would have afflicted them. And and the school staged an intervention to get them back and ended up covering a huge amount of the school fees. And, and, and it's all happened that first week. Like, once you actually walk on the water, the miracles start flowing. You're like, ah! Yeah. Walking on the water is the most terrifying place to be, but it's where the testimonies are. I have heard of some people that have lived in that space for so long that they've lost the boat. <laughs> they just got so used to walking on water. But I don't think they've got five kids. <laughs> yeah. so, so what have we got? So how to stop worrying? Number one, way to overcome, uh, stop worrying. Trust in your heavenly Father. Number two, have a singular passion for God. Number three, take hold of His promise to provide. Number four, focus on today's challenges. Focus on today's challenges. Last verse, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus is personifying tomorrow. He's almost treating it like some kind of, in his metaphor, this evil spirit that's coming to afflict you. Like, hey, hey, taunt you. Tomorrow is coming into your mind. It's trying to taunt you. What's Jesus saying? Send tomorrow back to where it came from. Tomorrow is not welcome in today says jesus each day has enough trouble of its own jesus is saying hey i'm sorry to tell you uh yeah yeah every day you're going to have some challenges some days are going to be big challenges and here's the promise in deuteronomy 33 as your days are so will your strength be as your days are so will your strength be god's grace only arrives in the present moment if you worry about tomorrow's problems which don't even exist. There is no grace for those problems. He, he, his grace only arrives for today's problems. So you want to live in the space of God's grace. Then, then that's in today's problems. Here's the thing. If you use your precious energy to worry about tomorrow's problems. You sap yourself of the energy you need to deal with today's problems. Live in today, experience God's grace today. And here's the amazing thing: is the longer you follow Jesus, the more testimonies you have of God looking after you, and you can look to the future with greater confidence because all of His past provisions advertise His faithfulness to you for the future. Sure. Can I ask us to stand up, go with the band here, and let's. you want to pray, and I want us to sing a song about the goodness of God. And if you don't know the song, there are all those song sheets, so it's the third song in the song sheets. God, thank you that you're a good, good Father. Thank you that you want to free us from worry, not only for our sake. What this world so desperately needs is a non-anxious presence, and um, from what I understand the that church is meant to be that in the world. The church is meant to be the non anxious presence in the world and people need to to go like, Hey, where on earth are you getting your calm from? (laughs) Because I can't find it. And uh, of course we point them to a heavenly Father. We tell them about our heavenly Father and we introduce them (coughs) to the heavenly Father. We tell them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus and we welcome them into the kingdom of Jesus. You're a good, good God. Why don't you place your full trust in Jesus? We need not just information in our head, we, but we do need that, we need a revelation in our hearts, why don't we sing together?